Good morning, everyone. Live from Miami. And Blaine had just asked the question, what time did I land? 6 a.m. here in Miami, 3 a.m. your time. Uh, but I won't miss the opportunity to be here with the double B, Blaine Bartlett, blainebartlett.com. My super mentor for years helping me pursue my potential. Speaking of pursuing your potential, Emily Montgomery is with us today. She is the head of professional services for Explore. That's X-P-L-O-R, technologies, exploretechnologies.com. And Emily, welcome to Office Hours. Thank you so much for having me. I said I wish I would have known you're just 45 minutes south of me. I'm just north of you. Oh, well, it's never too late. We're doing meetups and we have a rooftop party with 90 family offices that you could talk about embedded payments and vertical specifics. I love payments. it. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, it takes a certain type of curiosity um, to be a strategic thinker and to integrate technology I have been on a pedestal talking about utilization of technology as a servant since I'm so old. I've been working in this space with Blaine in Web 1, Web 2, and Web 3 now. Uh, and the same mistakes of human nature are occurring uh, with technology as they did way back when they figured out the cotton gin. Uh, and uh, which is a technology, Blaine. I know you were around when they met. No, I talked to Eli about that when he actually put, it, put the first one together. Um, but as a strategic, uh, curious thinker, um, you know, how should we look at technology? I mean, you do it so uh, brilliantly with SaaS solutions and utilization of technology. Uh, I want to start with a really broad picture of how do you see the usage of technology uh, to reduce or dissolve the fear that exists around it? Oh, I love this question. Um, I would have, <clears throat> technology comes with a in, huge intimidation factor that I don't think a lot of people acknowledge or even recognize, let alone state. Um, and it is intimidating, especially if it's new technology and we're getting new technology in our face pretty much every day. So where to start is the difficult part as to, you know, if I don't know anything about technology, what do I do first? And if you open everything up, you don't know where to go, what to do next, and then you just kind of shut down. And I think that's true with anything when you're learning it new for the first time or in your amateur or just getting started. So within technology, I think you just got to start, right? Pick one place that you want to start to go deep. And instead of going wide, go deep in one area. And then as you start to get more familiar, then I think you start to gain some more confidence to venture out into some other avenues and other realms within technology as a, as a whole um, group of you know, platforms, service providers, offerings, because it, it is intimidating. There's always something new that is coming up. And whether or not you're going to get excited by the new shiny object every single time, or you're just going to kind of shut down and stick to what you know, we do need to continue to challenge ourselves as to whether or not we're using the right platforms for our business as where as far as where it is today. You know, I'm, I'm fascinated by the way that you're positioning and, and, and actually that, uh, yeah, Explore Technologies has, has positioned itself in working with the owners of these franchises, these health, you know, these health club, healthcare, uh, fitness gyms, uh, yep. to, 
to identify and unlock revenue streams that they didn't know existed. And, and I'm, I'm fascinated by it for this reason. Um, you know, you know, I, I started off working in Gold's Gym in uh, um, Tokyo when I lived in Tokyo. Yeah, and Pump and I, I mean, and that was probably about as far away from tech as we could have gotten at that point in time. There was, there was you know, no tech at all involved with it. Um, I mean, it was literally hard currency as I walked right. in the door. Uh, so what revenue streams outside of membership uh, are you, you know, identifying? How are you actually able to work with you know, these jocks? Uh, and I'm not, you know, don't mean that in a denigrating way no, at no, all, no. but that's kind of where they, they come from and then they get a business. How, how does all of this work with Explore? Because you've got services as a SaaS, uh, software as a service here. So where'd the, where'd the fit come in as a, from a strategic perspective? If I'm a franchisee, what am I going to do with it? Yes, absolutely. Well, personally, I love working with franchisors and franchisees because I think there's so much that doesn't meet the eye. You know, there are memberships within these boutique studios. And that has always been considered the bread and butter. But consumers and, and clients and members are looking for more when they're coming to their studios. Especially now, I would say over the last couple of years that looking at health and wellness as a whole versus just the place to go work out is a continued trend that we see in the wellness industry entirely. Um, but also when you have found a community that you are connected to, that you are invested in, that typically centers or is centered around the fitness studio in which you have joined, be it a member or you just come regularly for classes, when you start to introduce other ways of in uh, looking at your health and wellness beyond just the time that you spend in the class for the 45 minutes or the hour, more and more people are interested to learn how they can be better, do better, feel better, so that they're getting the most out of that membership. So when we talk about unlocking new revenue streams, it really is centered around deep knowledge of what your customers want or need, not what you want to sell. And I say that a lot, is that it's not what you want to sell, it's what they need. <clears throat> might not be telling you, I need a stress management system. But if they're coming in all ruffled every single time, rushing into class, rushing out of class, they're starting to show you what their state of mind is. And if you are in tune with that, you can start to use that to inform what uh, avenue you want to pursue next and then test it, experiment, ask them if that's something that would be of interest to them. So in the last couple of years, um, particularly over the last three years, when there was a big force to go online right away, you know, we had a whole new surge of innovation, be it teacher trainings. Um, there was a big push towards teacher trainings and clients and members who wanted to pursue getting certifications, not necessarily to teach, but to deepen their own knowledge um, within nutrition, stress management, meditation, um, looking at holistic practices to improve the overall health and wellness of your, your being, but getting creative about how you can add those services to the core product and service offerings that you have versus, you know, coming up with 10 different businesses all under the same roof. 
And there's three areas outside of the actual fitness and uh, been working in this space for a long time with obviously running Lee Steinberg. We were always uh, presented the latest and greatest technologies for high performance, which now uh, I love the fact that I look at an average gym and they have better technology than thinking <laughs> to Warren Moon and Troy Aikman and Steve Young way back when. Uh, but I particularly, although have the backdrop of sports always on my business mind, I look at things pragmatically and, and, you have been mentoring and consulting business owners, you know, hundreds of them in three areas that are essential to this business beyond the performance side. One is recruitment, two is conversion, and then three uh, is retention. Uh, and I think applicable to most businesses today, especially focusing how do we use technology in a very antiquated business to recruit more people into a highly competitive space to convert them when they come in uh, and upsell them as well, I include in conversion. And then of course, to retain them, uh, which is a duplicative challenge because people are apathetic and they stop working out. Uh, yeah. And we find that in coaching as well. My, my biggest nemesis in coaching isn't the value I provide, uh, it's the value I don't provide meaning that people, if they don't show up, they're not going to receive value. So right. how do you mentor and consult in those three areas that are essential to the business? That's a great question. So one of the platforms that we have integrated into the fitness and well-being vertical specifically, Mariana Tech is our cloud-based uh, payments processing platform, but we have Explore Connect, as also formerly known as BrandBot, is a marketing automation tool. Um, that marketing automation tool is connected to the behaviors of a consumer. So when they are coming to your studio and they sign into their account and they book their class for, say, 5 p.m. tonight, they have just taken an action within Mariana Tech that is recognized within Explore Connect or what was formerly BrandBot. Now we can talk to them because they have just done something specific as part of their customer journey that we can communicate with them. And it can be done in an automated fashion versus getting an alert every time somebody has signed in and signed up for a class, especially let's say it's a first class. So because the competition is so steep and there are so many options, I believe that within Boutique Fitness specifically, it's all about providing an exceptional customer experience because you could argue, and I know people wouldn't like that I say this, but you could argue you could get the same results at any Pilates studio, at any yoga studio, at any CrossFit studio. You could argue that. But what ultimately is going to keep that person there is the community and the connection that they develop with that community specifically and the way that they feel as a result of being a part of it. Results, yes, but also the way that they feel, just like any other coach, right? The way that that coach encourages you, motivates you, and keeps you wanting to move forward. So within our technologies, we're able to then look at the actions that a customer is taking or not taking, and then automate communications to help um, encourage them to take that next step, whatever would be the natural next step in their journey. So if it is all about booking that first class and then starting to remove the intimidation factor of coming in for that first class, giving them some um, information about what they could expect 
You know, not everybody is going to be looking at them. They're the only ones that are going to be worried about what they look like. Everybody else is in there for themselves and kind of demystifying the experience. You know, I just have to interrupt. Yeah. Everyone else, everyone else is worried about what other people think they're looking at themselves as well, right? That's right. That's right. Nobody <laughs> yeah. is looking at yeah. you except for right. you, right? They're all worried about everybody looking at them. and nobody exactly. 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 And it's, <laughs> and I think, um, Sometimes we forget that. I mean, that's just not unique to fitness, but I think that we we can easily forget that and just get kind of self-involved about, oh gosh, everybody's going to know I'm the new person and nobody's thinking about that. Nobody's right. looking or, at Or what you're, you're wearing. Like, or I, what you're wearing. When you're a middle-aged turtle, I, I don't waste any time what I'm wearing. And, you know, I would I, I used to waste so much time and I realized... Who the heck would look at me anyway for style? That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, maybe if you're a style icon, right? Then everybody's looking at you for maybe, maybe for style maybe, icon. Maybe. But they're going to just point out what you did wrong, not acknowledge what you did right anyway. But um, no, you're exactly right. Nobody is is in the class uh, looking just at you or all eyes on you. But we can use automation marketing automation to help communicate what that experience is going to feel like, look like, but I don't believe in automated messaging for everything. I think you have to have personalization, you have to have customization, but you also have to have automation. So the combination of the three ultimately can help drive for that exceptional customer experience. And our tools allow you to serve up, you know, tasks and to do so that you are process driven as a business owner and you can ensure that every person who comes into your business is having the exact same experience, an amazing experience, right? But it's personalized based off of, you know, the person who's rushing in has to fly out five minutes before class, they got to shower, get to work and move on versus the person that's going to stay wants to kind of chit chat about the day that that might be their only time out of the house. So you're going to connect with them differently. I don't think automation can't replace that, but automation can help drive the, the conversation and, and say the things that you're always saying um, versus you having to do it every time. Does that, I don't know if that answers the question. No, absolutely. I think that combination of automation and personalization, <laughs> customization. But I think the bigger thing to blame that we see when we're coaching and mentoring is uh, the human nature side of it. That, you know, yeah. we were talking and started with technology as a servant, uh, not your master, and it's not going to solve all, uh, but it can be utilized in order to effectuate how human nature interacts with fitness or account or plumbing or building uh whatever it is and i think that's what makes it such an exceptional uh tool and it takes people like emily montgomery uh in the fitness space especially uh, as the professional services explore to bring out the best uh in the business uh by applying technologies uh to create more efficiencies and effectiveness in i think amplify human nature at its best so Emily, thank you for uh, what a great case study uh, for many, many businesses, but especially in the professional services space for fitness. Please come back and join us. Uh, exceptional interview. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. All right. We'll thank see you, you soon. Thank you, Emily. May the fourth be thank with you. you. Yep. All right. <laughs> thank you.
All right. We're rocking and rolling. See, there is no slowing down here in Miami. It's crazy. Well, we got the daily coach here herself. Kenny hey. Daly is in the house with a big smile and a lot of energy. TheDailyCoach.com. Uh, welcome to Office Hours, Kim. I am so happy to be here. I'm so happy that, Blaine, you're here today, too, because I'm a mindset coach, if I'm anything. <laughs> yeah, yes. he's one of the best Good in the world. Absolutely, now. Kim. <laughs> he's, he's been one of the best in the world since you were born and I was born. So uh, <laughs> unbelievable. I, I'm going to start. I'm going to start in the morning the for that comment. <laughs> yeah, wow. I, if I can't tease Blaine, if I can't tease Blaine, who can I tease? That's what I say. He's like a big, he's like a big, big brother from a, you know, a, a marriage that happened far before I was born. I'm from the second wife. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> he's going he's gonna to send me a, a nice thank you card after this. Um, I'm going to talk about content though, Kim, um, because, you know, obviously you've been a great coach for, for many years and in many industries and teaching leadership and all types of great things, uh, especially as an advocate for women in franchising and, you may even know my friend from Denny's, who's I think the number one franchise holder in, in America. She's been on my uh, show many times, um, but you've taken and amplified it with Kim Daily TV, uh, your YouTube channel. Um, you know, when did you start to realize the power of the platforms, the amplified content side of your business in order to effectuate more business and more exposure and awareness? So. 2020 was a year of, as a business owner, adapt or die. <laughs> so prior to 2020. Good thing you're here. Yeah. We know which one you did. Yep. So prior to 2020, I used to host live events. So I'm a franchise consultant at my core. So I help people understand the true value proposition of franchising and how they can leverage proven business systems to build wealth for their future. So whether they're former entrepreneurs or just, you know, an average American who's in a corporate job they hate looking for transition, excuse me, looking for transition or just even real estate investors who are looking for diversification. I work with all different types of people, professional athletes as well. I have an NFL player in my pipeline right now. So that's what I do at my core. But before 2020, I used to travel and host live events and like bring people together. Well, when I couldn't travel and I couldn't bring people together, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Turn on the video camera. Back in my younger days, I was on QVC. I used to sell fitness equipment on QVC and, you know, I grew up kind of on the stage. So I'm no, I'm not a stranger to the camera. I just never thought of using the technology for my business because nobody in my industry was doing it. And yeah. it's been the greatest adaptation ever. My business is forever changed. I'm reaching people all over the country that I never would have had the time or energy to bring together. It's elevated everything that I do. And I can really see my future now sort of more as a spokesperson, if you will, for the mm -hmm. uh, kind of advocating for the advantages of franchising on a much greater scale and level and producing high caliber quality candidates who want to explore franchising and then maybe even helping other consultants build their businesses by feeding them kind of those prospects, if you will. Yeah, I, that's that, that story, Kim. I, I love the story because it's such a great example of the obstacle is the way, 
you know, to kind oh, of put no. it into Marcus Aurelius's context uh, and language here. But not yeah, that I had to age him. Hey, Kim, not that I had to age him. Who else brings up Marcus Aurelius? On the show? <laughs> <laughs> so you're doing, you're just feeding Wait a into second. my branding. <laughs> Laying your feeding into my branding. Come on. Let's hey. use like a M&M analogy. My, my job is to serve. My job is to serve. Not that Kardashians <laughs> wouldn't say the same thing. But go ahead. Marcus Aurelius, we're going to go back 1900 years here. <laughs> yes, it's but, so true. When you're a business owner, if you're not nimble and you're, you, you know, it, in that 2020 really just showed it, it shined the light on the businesses and the thinkers who were stuck in their old patterns and those who were able to adapt and be nimble and grow. And I'm not saying it was easy. You know, it, no. you, we all had to adapt like literally overnight, but um where there is obstacle there is an opportunity if you're willing to to look yeah and, and then oh, go ahead Blaine. <laughs> i'm going to jump in here uh the, uh the the idea of the mindset and just from an entrepreneurial perspective um in the work that you do with your franchisees yeah i'm assuming that there are people that are you know purchasing a franchise because they want a success in their life. They want it, you know, kind of a business in a box sort of a thing here, which could be antithetical to a mindset of growth and scaling. Uh, okay. It could be. So is there a way that that gets addressed in the work that you do? Because you do a lot of actual coaching with your franchise-ers. Wannabes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that idea of shifting the mindset from it's, it's a business in a box, I'm all set, let's go to this is the starting point. What, yeah, what, kind of a, what kind of a conversation is involved in that? It's such a great question. So Blaine, when people come to me, they typically think about franchising first as food and retail, or mm -hmm. they think about owning a business that's their passion. I love fitness, so I have to own the gym. Or they think about what their community needs and say, ooh, if I brought the UPS store to my market, you know, I could make a lot of money. So the daily coach comes and says, okay, that's one methodology, but it's not the methodology that I've seen lead to really happily ever after. So what I want to do is I want to zoom out and I want you to share with me a vision of your future, personally, professionally, and financially. Who do you want to become over the next three, five, 10 years if you can go out that far? And then what we're going to do is reverse engineer that back to the business being the vehicle that can drive those outcomes. So what that does, Blaine, is it it helps people let go of what the business needs to be mm -hmm. and instead allows me to help them focus on characteristics of a business. Because when you're a business owner, look, if you love to work out, it's not because you're going to if you own the business, you're not working out every day. You're, you're stressed about per your your last uh, guest, you know finding the members, keeping members, right? So you're you're thinking, it at, you have to be able to think like a business owner. And so I want to look at what core skills you're bringing as the business owner to the business and apply that. If you love people and you want to create jobs and be leading and mentoring people, then I want to find you a business where that's your core skill every day. If you don't like people, I don't want you to be looking at a business because you think you're going to love it. But the core, the core thing you're going to do every day is creating jobs and managing people. If that's a drain to you, like so many yeah. people over the years have come to me with, you know, the, the fun food things like 
uh, Cold Stone Creamery. You know, and I'm like, great. So you love the idea of creating jobs for probably first time employees, high school and college kids. And they're like, well, no, I don't want to do that all day. I'm like, well, that's what you're going to be doing if you own a Cold Stone Creamery, you know. So what I'm doing is reverse engineering it by looking at the outcomes. And then it allows me to kind of level the playing field on what the actual business needs to be and gets them focused on the right things. The right things in a franchise ultimately, again, are aligning your goals with what a business can do for you, going back to the word scale that you mentioned earlier. Um, but then also, when you invest in a franchise, the number one reason to invest in a franchise is to find people that have what you want. You guys are big on mentorship, right? That's what business in a franchise is. It's like a large mastermind. So it's all about, I tell my people, when you find your people, then you will find the perfect franchise. So many people say, I, I looked at franchising, I never did it because I never found the right one. Well, I guarantee it's because they were looking right. down at the widget instead of the opportunity for what the business could do for them. And they were focused again on the widget versus the people. You find people, culture, camaraderie. That's why we do this, to be in business for ourselves, but not by ourselves. And align, <clears throat> align with that, obviously, you're an advocate uh, for women, women in franchising especially. And I can see utilizing that perspective, what huge advantages there would be without the unintentional bias of, you know, middle-aged, you know, white males who need to unlearn shit when we're starting businesses <laughs> that aren't in a box or as executives or financing businesses as well. And I think that's a critical distinction in franchising where, you know, it is so biased uh, against women still today about raising money mm -hmm. that that alleviates the issue um, I'm sure you address when you help support all these women and understanding what the best franchises are, particularly for women and the unintentional biases that are, you know, pervading business today. And I, I say that because I believe the majority of the issues are unintentional now. And it's just a matter of time till we educate and accelerate, hopefully, uh, women in entrepreneurship and especially franchising. What are some of the critical business issues uh, that you see and have addressed over the years to help support women in franchising? Um, so I don't really find, so it's kind of funny because uh, in franchising, look, this is an equal opportunity. Uh, you know, it, what the reason we, I probably over the years have primarily worked mainly with men or the men are the ones initiating the conversation is oftentimes when, uh, you have a husband and wife, uh, the wife is more stereotypically managing the home, <laughs> right. And raising the kids and the, and the husband is more focused on the financial health or the future for the family. So they come to some point in their life where, okay, what we're doing isn't going to help pay for three college tuitions and a wedding or whatever, right? So now they're looking for alternative ways to build and scale wealth. And that's where they find someone like Kim Daly when they're, when they're in that position. So sometimes it's because the, the, the husband or the man is more the uh, focused on the providing financially for the family. And so the conversation begins there, but I work with husband and wife. 
because the reality is that decision is not going to be made if the wife is not supportive of it. <laughs> so, you know, I, in, in my industry, I say we can do this to your spouse or with your spouse. <laughs> if you want to be married, I think we should do it with your spouse. Now on the flip side, there's a lot of, I'll call, I'll call it a non-traditional, you know, families out there where like my family, where the, the woman is the driver of the financial, like she's got the bigger income in corporate America. Maybe the husband has left his job to be the stay-at-home dad and built a real estate portfolio. So he just has more time available. So mm -hmm. that scenario works too. I, I don't really see the bias in franchising one way or the other. Um, it's just, where are we starting the conversation? And I would say that more times than not, the conversation starts between me and the man. But then we very quickly bring the woman in. <laughs> Good, I love that. <laughs> wow, I know your wife. I if know your wife. Isn't happy. No one's happy. Wife, so he has to say that that he loves. Matter of fact, you're going to be with my wife this afternoon or later this morning. <laughs> I am yeah. going to be with your wife in a few hours. So yeah, yeah. she's one of my favorite women in the world. Uh, anyway, uh, Kim, uh, where can people that are interested? in franchising or maybe have franchises and need help uh, find you best? Is it thedailycoach.com? The best place is my YouTube channel. You mentioned it in the beginning at kimdaily.tv. And my last name is D-A-L-Y. Kimdaily.tv. Every single piece of video content I've ever created is there. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook and uh, all those other places. But the YouTube channel is home to it all. And so take it in, kind of get to know my personality, my coaching style. Uh, I'm very big on the mindset of what drives success versus talking about, uh, uh, you know, all the fears and the, the myths and misconceptions that people have about franchising. But I dispel all of those there on my YouTube channel. And then when you're ready to reach out to me, of course, all of my contact information, will, it'll take you right to me directly. I bet it will. You're such a team player. You even <laughs> dropped the I out of your last name. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> Thank you for humility. Uh, Kim Daly is full of experience and wisdom, helping so many people. Uh, appreciate you. Please come back on our other shows as well. Yeah. Thank I'd love you to so have much. you on the Soul of Business. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kim. Thank Bye-bye. Bye. Another wow. incredible guest. Absolutely. I love this. This is a great start to the day. It, oh, my goodness. Every Thursday starts well, especially when we have a morning edition of Office Hours, which is the majority of the time, 5 a.m., 6 a.m. Once in a while, we'll hit a 3 p.m. or <laughs> especially if you're in Hawaii. Uh, we don't want to like wake you up at 3 in the morning. Yes. Uh, but our next guest, the CEO of Southern Gas Association, southerngas.org. Susan Ogle is here. Welcome to Office Hours. Hi. I love your I love your definition of office hours. That's what mine are too. Three thirty in the morning too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anybody's, hey. well, anybody's welcome to ask Blaine or I for help. Just three o'clock in the morning, we're available for everyone. It's perfect. Uh, but it, it for got the globe handled at that point. Twenty four hour service. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know uh, the impact of executives today, especially C suite executives. <clears throat> I think. Uh, one of the prominent issues that we face is engagement. Um, and to be a highly effective C-suite executive, we have to be a great leader uh, in a variety of ways. And you uh, uh, have had the experience, the knowledge, the skills in order to effectuate uh, 
being highly effective as a C-suite executive, um, I'd love to hear or have you share uh, some of the greater characteristics that we need today as things are accelerating and engagement is dissipating, if not dissolving, especially here in America. Yeah, right. It's really, it's a big challenge. It's such a different shift. So let me just start with thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Um, You know, really, if you think about where leaders are today and where they were in that command and control environment where everything was able to be, you were able to tell exactly how it went. And now you have this uh, kind of, I'm thinking about it's just off the top of my cuff, but it's kind of like free range chickens roaming around, right? (laughs) And you're trying to get all your chickens to lay eggs so that you can have a productive business. And it's meeting them in a different place is really a big challenge. And on top of that, you're doing a ton of work in a lot of different ways. And so you have your own pressures from your job, from your deliverables to your investors or whatever that looks like in in your own life, right? So, I mean, CEOs are people too, right? We all have our own business uh, life and we have a a personal life and you want to make sure that you dedicate time and resources to both of those in equal abundance, I think is an important thing. And so how do you manage that and then bring out the best in people in a world where we're remote, a lot of it, There's a different expectation about what work looks like. Um, I think there's a different um, deliverable. I feel like critical thinking is kind of moving off the path and it's more superficial. And it's really a, it's a different, definitely an interesting challenge for a leader to be a leader today versus a leader before. And, you know, I'm in my late fifties, not going to say how old, but so I've been in both areas. But, you know, I'll tell you what I find encouraging because I don't want to leave anybody (laughs) despondent when I talk, right, is that I I come from an entrepreneurial mindset and I think that still thrives today. And I think there's more opportunity now for for an entrepreneur than there ever was before because there is a um, fear mongering kind of way that the media operates in and other people operate in. And if you get enough people scared, they follow a path. And so you have the opportunity now as an entrepreneur or a business leader to think differently and show up differently. And the farther that, if you could be a a first mover on that, or even a fast follower on that, you have an opportunity to create a distinct advantage for your business, for your team um, and anybody else in that that area. So you have to think about your leadership style and your business objectives and how you run your business and what you're delivering under that idea of how do I not fall into the path that everybody else is walking on and maintain that distinction? You know, the idea, and I'm struck with, you know, you saying, you know, the the, the fear-based structure and this, I mean, it, it goes hand in hand with a command and control approach to leading. Mm-hmm. And when you look at one of the major charters of a CEO, and I work with CEOs all over the place, the major charter from the board is implement the strategic plan, implementation, yeah, get her done, yeah, go do the do sort of a thing. But the idea here of fear is a, is a catalyst for movement. Yeah, Edward Deming, uh, who founded the Deming Prize in Japan right. uh, for uh, in, industrial excellence, you know, it's the equivalent of the Baldridge Award over here. I think number 13 on his list of things to do was drive fear out of the organization. In your work with the C-suite executives, 
how frequently does the conversation of we need to address fear uh, come up? Well, so the uh, word, because, great question, right? Fear not used, the word fear, the people don't talk about fear. Yep. And it's really interesting because I run a, a natural gas trade association, right? So I work with CC people across all of North America, right. from California to East Coast and in Canada as well, in an industry that's under pressure. Yeah. Right. And so when you think about that, you know, I always, when you think about fear, what they, and then let me just back up that. If you're going into any kind of psychometric personality assessment, we have a lot of, if you're doing DISC, a lot of C's. So they don't like change and they don't like unknowns. We have a lot of engineers, right? So then how do you lead in that environment where you already have people that are in this, really they like like best practices. I, I, I talk about this a lot in my leadership classes with people that I, I run because our, our industry as a whole likes best practices and they like knowns. And we're leading through a lot of unknowns and unintended consequences and a much bigger global picture and we're innovating into what we don't necessarily know, but we need to be better at. So it's uh, people don't use the word fear, but you can <clears throat> see it come out in the decisions that they make or how they address things. Um, and so I think if you, I know you guys know the New Yorker, but you know there was a cartoonist that was in the New Yorker. I think uh, James Thurber, right? Great cartoons, interesting guy, always funny. But I think he had a quote that I always think about when I talk about this. There's, there's two things I think about. One of them, I think he, he used to say, uh, don't look back in anger, but don't look forward in fear. Look around, right? Look around where you are now and be aware of where you are now. So you really have to be aware of where you are and, and look forward, not scared of changing trends. And so let's use COVID as an example. Yeah. When COVID first came, everybody, you can't do it at home. You can't do it at home. Now, not that there wasn't unintended consequences from everybody being remote, because I really think that's the degradation of America that people don't need to be engaged. I believe relationships are critical. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, and frankly, there's an article that just came out from, I think, Surgeon General that said loneliness is like the number one uh, affliction at this point. And that's because people aren't engaged in a material way. Mm -hmm. They're happy to text or, I mean, or turn off their cameras and have conversations and not even look each other in the eye. And, you know, you don't get full communication that way. But so if you go back to the COVID, what does it look like when it first came out? People were, oh, well, they can't be home. Uh, it's not going to work. And then people that weren't looking at fear, but they were looking around them. And then their pivot, one of our core values is pivot with purpose. Right. So you got to be really purposeful and you can't get locked into what are we going to do? Analysis paralysis. Right. You've got to trust your gut a little bit and you got to have a really intentional pivot in a way that's going to create value. And yeah. so that, by definition, doesn't really allow fear in there. You have to have a respectable understanding of the risk, but you can't be you can't be fearful. And I take a little bit of a twist on both uh, James and Marshall Thurber when I look at uh, the past and the future with when you look to the past, don't look back with uh, resentment or guilt and definitely don't look forward with worry and anxiety. Uh, very similar to both both Thurbers out there, which I encourage everyone uh, to, to read and to engage with. Um, one of the things that I find quite intriguing, uh, Suzanne, about your own attitude uh, especially as a leader, is you have this yes 
and attitude. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to finish up with you explaining what a yes and attitude is as a leader. <laughs> yeah, so well, I'm already afflicted by being a maximizer, being an achiever. You know, I, I have a whole bunch of afflictions in my strengths area. So I always believe that you can do more. And I, I think you can agree to disagree. Both things can be true. You can find a common ground and you can then accomplish an objective. And so I'm going to twist this back to energy for a second. So I think about the energy system and you have to get out of your own way, right? The world wants clean energy. There's sustainable goals that everybody universally has garnered around and said, no poverty, no hunger, right? Um, You know, clean energy for all. Well, if we continue as an industry to keep talking about clean, affordable, reliable, we're missing the mark, right? Because what, what the world is unifying around is we want to provide clean energy in a world that has a great place for our future generations to live. And we're really in a, we're witnessing a historical change of how do we provide clean energy, the amount of energy that needs for the world's growth. And so it's a yes and. Yes, we're going to create clean. Yes, we're going to, yes, we're going to reduce emissions. We're going to, we're going to do it in new ways. We're going to do what we know better now. And we're going to get towards the same goalposts. So if, if we could stop being polarized and find that common ground and move together, then we can really accomplish things. You can accomplish it as a leader. You can accomplish it as a business or frankly, as a world, we can get together. If we can, we can find some kind of common ground here where we can say yes. And that's a novel idea. Yeah. Yes, it was right. a foundational principle of interconnectedness that you absolutely empower people with to be effective and to be highly effective as a C-suite executive, to have that uh, (laughs) lack of interference, no pun intended, uh, between those, uh, your customers, your vendors, your employees, your managers, directors. Uh, Suzanne Ogle, thank you so much for leading the way and helping us all have that yes and attitude uh, to help the interconnectedness and the abundance uh, and also supply clean energy for sustainable purposes as well. The CEO of Southern Gas Association, Susan Ogle, thanks for joining us. Thank you. I like your pun too. <laughs> Thank you. I'm the king of puns. <laughs> Have a great day, guys. Thanks, Suzanne. <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. Oh, that's Hyper intelligent women here today, I will tell you. Love that. it. What is your takeaway of the day before I go see your wife? I think the, you know, the thing that comes top of mind on this, you know, just given the three uh, interviews that we had here today and, the, and these incredible guests, uh, is keep what's important in focus. Yeah, everything else becomes you know, irrelevant. Not irrelevant, but it becomes a distraction. Uh, I came across something uh, the other day, uh, and it had to do with some meditation uh counseling that I was doing with a client. Um, but I came across this quote, silence is the absence of me. <laughs> silence is the absence of me. And what I mean by that in, in, the, in the takeaway about keeping what's important in the focus, um, when, when we look at, um, you, know, you know, what Suzanne was just talking about, it's a yes and. You know, it, well, as soon as we you know, start going to either or, What's important starts to diminish, and it now becomes a tug of war. Um, with Kim, you know, the idea of uh, you know the franchise itself—you need to know what's important for you to succeed in a franchise business. It's not making money. I mean, 
who's the constituency that you're serving? The vehicle will you know, end up being appropriate if you're clear on what's important. And when we talk about what Emily uh, brought to the table here, um, and just in terms of segmenting markets and looking for hidden markets, uh, revenue streams, I'll just take that as an example. What's important here? Well, the customer's experience is important. And if I keep that in front, and, and Steve Jobs is fantastic with that, you know, the customer experience, what's the end user experience? So design for that. So I think you know, the takeaway there is, you know, what, keep, what, what's important in front of me? And to that measure, you know, my takeaway with Emily, Kim, and Suzanne is the deconstruction process. Uh, Steve Jobs, you mentioned, Jollywood would say he would connect the dots backwards. Uh, it's a form and a methodology of deconstruction where each of the people, Emily, Kim, and Suzanne, have deconstructed, taken a look from outside and figured out the spheres of influence, the interconnectivity, all the essential requirements in order to effectuate more effectiveness, efficiency, and statistical success. Blaine Bartlett, those are three of your main foundational principles that you teach with mindset, heart set, and hand set. If anybody wants one of the world's greatest coaches and mentors, his name is Blaine Bartlett, and his domain is Blaine Bartlett. So you can reach him at blainebartlett.com. <laughs> Uh, a little marketing tip. Got to keep it simple. Uh, years <laughs> of experience. I love you, buddy. I will see you next Thursday. Okay, my friend. You take care. Have a great time. I will. Let's raise some money for Unstoppable. Thanks. Wow, that's great. And you're going to be on a, on a road trip here. So take care of yourself. I always do. Thank you, my friend. You got to take care of yourself to take care of others. You can't give what you don't have. You'll never get more with less. And we always are here being more interested than interesting. I want to thank Raluca and Gigi, the co-producers of Office Hours. They're bringing incredible guests in a thematic way that I don't see anyone else doing. They're the best of the best. So thank you, Raluca. Thank you, Gigi. Uh, once again, everyone, uh, please join me tomorrow, 6 a.m. Pacific time, 9 a.m. Eastern time for our free Friday training. Uh, if you're not registered, we have over 80,000 people registered david at dmelter.com and you get a free signed copy of my book i'll sign it send it to you and pay for shipping most importantly as everybody knows we'll finish up the same way we always do you got to be kind to your future self and do good deeds we'll see you tomorrow take care everyone